Merry Christmas, and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. I love these Christmas episodes, Ed. This is the second one we're doing here. So Christmas Eve episode yesterday with Carl Barks. What could be better? How about a Christmas Day episode with more Carl Barks Christmas spirit? Before we dive into this classic comic, I do want to remind everybody that we are working cartoonists, and the best way to support Cartoonist Kayfabe is to pick up our books. Red Room, Ed Piscor's <laughs> latest book, Anti-Social Network and Trigger Warnings. Both of these are in print and available now wherever books are bought and sold. Kind of a, uh, quite the contrast <laughs> next to Donald Duck. My latest books that are available, Street Angel, Deadly Girl Alive, back in print after almost a year out of print from Image Comics and The Plain Janes, the story of a bunch of high school artists. So quite a variety here to suit all of your reading needs. Um, like I say, support Cartoonist Kayfabe, pick up our books, and uh, it's never too late to be buying Christmas, maybe a belated Christmas gift That's for it. that special reader in your life, if not yourself. But we are here today to celebrate Christmas and look at one of the all-time comic book-making masters, Carl Barks. This is from uh, Fanagraphics' beautiful reprint series of Carl Barks' library, A Christmas for Shacktown. That is our lead-off story. I think this is the first. Uh, I think this is the first book that they put out. You can never tell here because they they are publishing them out of order to give you the big heavy hitters first, so that the diminishing diminishing returns are still high. You know. But I think this was uh, the first volume to come out. These are stunning, and I'll linger here just for a second so you can see page counts, because we have stories in here that are one-pagers, all the way up to, you know, 20-page feature-length stories, and there might be 64 pagers too. nice reading collections. Um, and you can see, uh, as soon as you see this first page, they did a great job in restoring these things. Um, they're recolored, but based on the original coloring, and we criticize so many reprint books, it is worth noting again and again how well done these books are. Shouts to Rich Tomasso for doing the color, and I think one of our first, one of our major like proto cartoonist kayfabe moments was when we were at uh, we were at yes. uh, Copacetic Comics, and uh, there is the slightest of tinges like this. The paper is not white. And we were talking like, is there like 1% of magenta <laughs> on there or like yeah. cyan? And we, I think we butted our heads together, man, like, like, like Lady in a Tramp or some shit, <laughs> staring close at the white of the paper. I can remember us holding this up next to the window yeah. to get like, let's get some real light on here and see what we see here. And I think, I think it's a, a couple percentage of yellow, I think is what is actually on here. I think, maybe? I think there's everything. It's, it's almost like a, uh, like, um, Pearl. So it's, it was like a little blue, there's a little red, but like just the smallest amounts. We've been traveling a lot. I just got out of an airport, a couple airports yesterday, and in the book displays are these Penguin editions of Spider-Man and Black Panther, and they're really nice. It's on uh, uncoated paper like this. It collects some of the, it's Steve Ditko's, it's that first run stuff. of uh, Jungle Action, really nice comics, and they're beautifully printed. And my one note to their editor or their designer, go in there and add that little couple of percent color on the on the gutters here just to kind of offset that stark white and it'll it'll those books will be the best reprints marvel's probably done yeah yeah because because you know for the for the 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 layman's at home or whatever man uh the paper that this shit was printed on was not white paper exactly like you you just kind of like uh, accept that that gray is white because there's not ink on it but it is not white so tomasa went in there and with a little bit of tooling you know, created some paper that isn't exactly just white. It's warm. It's warm. It's That's a very, good, very good nice to, to the touch and very nice visually. And so, yeah, man, commend him because 
it, it's such a uh, that genius subtle touch. Yes, and the, and the video that we did yesterday was like uh, from the Smithsonian Book of Comic Book Comics, uh, which is a mouthful title for it sure. Sure is. Uh, and in 1981, when that book was constructed, the best they could do, like the sort of cutting edge of technology, was just to take a picture of the f printed comic book and put that in the book. But the, but the problem with that is that it's still just like your printers at home in uh, CMYK, blue, pink, yellow, black, to make up uh, the colors of that photograph. And each of those colors is represented on a different plate, uh, just a piece of plastic that's completely see-through with just that color on it. So you notice that there was like a lot of shift of like, if the blue plate is shifted, now it looks like 3d you know like when you, you have <laughs> right. to put the 3d glasses on and it, it, it there are spots where it's completely unreadable like you get a headache uh the guys at fantagraphics they have all of those russ cochran hardcovers those big blue books that are kind of like those ec hardcovers that that we have on the mantle over uh, where, where we shoot our weeklies and stuff and uh those pieces were shot directly from like the the art proofs and stuff from Carl Barks pages, those things were, were sort of made from. So they're using really, really, really good source material to scan it in, you know, printed in black and white, just like those EC hardcovers. So they're coming from a real good source for Rich to go in and add his, his energy to it. Yeah, it's so, it's such, again, such a nice reprint because the black line is crisp, sharp, clear, yeah. very beautiful. Love this this whole library of books. And um, let's dive into the story itself. You know, Christmas for Shacktown. The boys are cutting through the the poor part of of Duckburg on their way home from school. And you know, this time of year, they're looking around and they're seeing sort of like kids that are going to have no Christmas. Yeah. Um, maybe no no food to eat even for Christmas. And it's really kind of bringing them down. And again, you know, like this is all established in page one. It's a really quick setup. And what can they do about it? So you know, pretty quickly. You turn the page because this is a comic and that's how it works. And they run into Daisy Duck and they kind of explain to her why they're feeling so glum. Yeah. And she's a Yenta. She's, she, so she's like, oh, me and the girls at the club have been looking for something to do. So it, it, there's a, this story's weird, man. It's just the way it aged, it, it aged you know, because it's a, really, a bunch of rich people doing some largesse for, uh, the poor folk of town but but she'll mention stuff like oh that part of town where all the crummy stuff happens and like they'll talk that kind of shit did you uh whenever i was a kid growing up like i, I grew up in a depressed area yeah and uh there were places there though that were like the the lowest you know economic uh rung on the ladder even within like a depressed school district overall there were yeah. the places that had like I, there were places that had no electricity, like where I grew up. There were places with outhouses where I grew up. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll tell you a story for the purposes of this, because, because this particular story just like rings. I feel it um, because like like they're doing a nice thing, right, for, for like these poor people and stuff. Uh, but and it all works out in, the, in this comic. But when I was in uh, elementary school to this day, like my parents don't know who or what or how any of this shit happened. Um, I have no idea, but like in school, there was some kind of like, uh, like a secret Santa thing for like, for like, I guess the kids that look the poorest or some shit like that. And like, I got this like amazing, like Lego set from some like 
anonymous benefactor like through 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 the school and it was such a such a nice thing but it was done in front of everybody which signified that you are the poorest motherfucker in your class and i also it's toys that you get that nobody else is getting in a class with seven-year-olds i could not live it down for years that i'm the poorest dude and that i got toys in front of everybody and they didn't get something like so it was like a nice thing that was done but road to hell good intentions all of that like like I have scar tissue reading this in a, in a way, man. And I even asked my folks, like, like, mom, what was it? And it embarrassed my parents. You know, my parents were, were not upset, but like, you know, 20, you know, 30 years later, I could talk to them and they're like, yeah, I don't know who did that. Like, like they weren't exactly happy about that because sure. like, we still had good Christmases and shit. But I don't know. I had too much Kool-Aid on my lips or something at school. Like, <laughs> there was something that made me look super janked out and broke and poor yes wow <laughs> the, the the flip side of the story the dark side of the story right right that's why I, like i just i don't take it per- like personally but like but like i see the other side in a way well it is uh donald duck comic yes, yes so yes. we do need to get him involved and he's struggling financially this time of year. You know, you see like bills piled up. This reminds me of like Watchmen panels where like you'd have like newspapers on desks yeah. with headlines that were part of the story. So you have a little bit of lettering there to indicate what he's dealing with and trying to figure out and can't even figure out like what he's gonna, how he's gonna buy his nephew's Christmas gifts. Yeah, he only has five bucks uh, to his name and he knows that the boys have five bucks to just spend on him. His five dollars has to be spread to like four different people or five different people: Daisy, Uncle Scrooge, and the three boys. Yeah, and Daisy shows up looking for fifty dollars for uh, for her new cause. Of course, Donald has none of that, but everybody knows where you could find it. Yes, <laughs> which brings us to Uncle Scrooge. It, the, the stories move so well, you know, like like they're almost logical. You know, like it's very. Um, it shouldn't take this long maybe to get to this point but also like it's so breezy like reading through these like each piece just adds to the next step it does and it doesn't feel like it could be done improvisationally to me it it, like it feels like it had to be calculated and, and and really like planned out but i do imagine that he spent a career doing this stuff at a certain point, like the, the rhythm is part of your your life. Like, you know, he's dealing with that rhythm every day. So maybe, you know, it becomes easier with repetition or something. But uh, just if these, it feels intricate. Yes, that's a good word for it. Um, there's content, there's some great content in the back. And maybe we'll flip to that as we wrap this up. That gives some context to how he works and when this stuff is published. And, you know, he talk, they talk about him working where like he would work out these stories as they say forward and backwards. You know, like he really was it seems like working without much editorial input or feedback, like he would deliver these stories in a very polished, tight manner. And, um, you know, that was something that has come up as the uh, fandom circled the good duck artist to hear about how he worked. And it seems like he was very thorough. So maybe it was a lot of improv laying it out one direction, but as you're going back through and proofing and and kind of really looking at it to see if it holds up, you do make those tightened uh, choices again at the cartoonist level which yeah. is remarkable i always love like the the piles of coins and how he how he handled that mm-hmm. stuff man where where it's kind of like you don't draw every brick you don't draw every coin 
But when you do draw those coins, like he really makes them count. Yes. You know, it's not like you can imagine like if like Klaus Janssen inked that, like like it would just be these chunky lines and chunky circles. Like it's not that. It's like these very tight, almost like tech pen marks. He also swings his camera point of view around quite a bit, yeah. um, breaking what we call like the 180 rule from a cinematography standpoint. But again, to make the movement kind of like really bounce from panel to panel, I think that's part of what allows that to happen that way. Yeah, it's true. And and uh, I think he's thinking in terms of rather than just like the storytelling flow of the thing um, is like the balance of exciting images. Because like if he would have just had uh, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Scrooge there, it's like it would be like mirroring this just right here. And it's like, do you need that? Like, like it's, it's more interesting from just a balanced visual point of view rather than just like storytelling. Yeah. hundred percent. And that works, you know, these rules that, that exist, like they're, it's made up, you know, yeah, like, most, right. Yeah. Um, I do love the gimmick of like, there's a cannon sitting in Scrooge's office. He's just waiting, you know, he's just playing <laughs> with all of his, uh, home just gu guarding his stash. Absolutely. And by the way, this is a very meager, money bin you know like it's it's a pretty weak money bin compared to the, like uh future money bins we see and it's very true i love this caption donald being tough <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh in a previous carl barks episode certain manga-esque elements yeah to me that's kind of that manga-esque element you know yeah. like that's not a stanley caption at all that's no. much more of a tone mood yeah it's uh it's it's very different than what I'm, I'm used to in a caption especially in an american comic and all this stuff man like like the vehicles and everything that's not the ducks is like very well referenced and researched yeah just a little bit of movement is is donald's coming around you know from panel to panel it really does create a more uh a more interesting layout and again you see him working in this eight panel grid but really mixing it up panel yeah. shapes and directional devices so he comes away unsuccessfully, but Scrooge says he will pay 25 bucks. He'll, he'll buy the turkeys, but if you want the train set, you got to raise your own $25. Right. He'll match it. We yes. see that a lot with, with charitable organizations. You do. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's, uh, it is matching. It's like, I'm not just giving you this 25 bucks willy nilly. You show me that you have the chutzpah to go get $25 and then I'll match you. It's really great too, because all the characters are doing things. Yes. Daisy has her method of she's gonna get five bucks. Donald thinks he can go find another five. The boys are gonna get the woodchuck, junior woodchucks together and shovel walks and driveways. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, it accounts for all the characters to be doing something, keeping busy. Right. Which again, good storytelling, keep everyone involved. Whoever your favorite character is, they've got something happening. Yeah. And Donald gets the loot. Uh, that'll happen in the next page. His first plan is to trick another plan to try to swindle Uncle Scrooge out of his money by portraying this old character, his Uncle Scrooge's uncle, yeah. from uh, from the old from Scotland. Uh, he finds him in a photo album, so that's his plan here. It backfires, of course, because it turns out the uncle owed Uncle Scrooge money from way back, which is now compounded with interest to $8,000 plus. <laughs> uncle Scrooge lent him a nickel <laughs> in like 1905. Yes. And, uh, you know, compound interest, all that good stuff. This is such a classic motif, too, for cal like cartoon calculating money. I don't even know what this uh, primitive calculator that, uh, that he's adding all of this up with. It's so funny. I was at my dad's crib and he was watching some some flick from the, the 70s that took place in like a basketball arena. And so one of the one of the B shots was uh, the press guys. And there's a table with fucking t 
typewriters. Yes. Just like a whole row of a bunch of dudes with typewriters. And I'm like, holy shit. I, I, I guess I never thought about that. But yeah, sure. Why not? The the newspaper guy has press to row. do that shit and, and, and get it off to press ASAP. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll come across uh, like a sports reporter talking about where they're writing their story, you know, in the third quarter, like in a blowout game or something along those right. lines. And yeah, you don't think about it. But of course, like That's that story is published like shortly after that game ends. Yeah. That's the job, I guess. All right, so again, Donald trying to figure this stuff out brings a rat to town that looks a lot like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, you know, when you talk about Chris Ware, like there's an, a, a Quimby-ish piece to that. Yeah, he almost really has the white gloves. Yeah, it's close. It could have been promo, a good promo cut, but there's probably some chilling effect where he just knew that he couldn't go as far as maybe he wanted to. Right. And uh, the threat, of course, is that the rat will eat some of Scrooge's money. So, uh, you know, give me five bucks, I'll catch that rat for you. Look at the interesting shading on that trench coat also. You know, it's very... Where 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 Carl Barks chooses to put blacks always kind of, like, baffles me in a way. Because it is a cartoony thing, but then he'll just, like, choose this piece to, to like, add black. I didn't even notice that until you pointed it out, but you're 100% right. Because it's that shading, you know, yeah. like, sometimes the black feels like... Make the rat black. Yeah. Make the boy's shirt black. But this is clearly shading. Like, there are wrinkles and stuff that are delineated in that shading. Yeah, who puts shading on the ground for all the characters in, in every panel, for sure. But every now and then, like, something that's, like, that he invents that isn't, like, on some character design page by Ub Iwerks or something. Did you he, go he through that phase? Like, at some point, did you figure out the shadow on the ground under characters and then draw that for Absol a while? Absolutely. I mean, I still do, really. Yeah. Like, uh, it, it's to me, it's it's like one of the early Eureka moments you get, uh, like when you put the your first glint into a character's pupil in their eyes, and you're like, holy fuck, it looks wet. It looks alive. Like, you got to do the shadow. You want to put shadows on your dudes? I do, but I can remember, like, I don't know, figuring that out. I see. You know, almost like the light bulb moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the early Eureka moments, man. Yeah, they're so dumb, because in hindsight, of course, there should be a shadow there. But... It's, a, it's an educational drawing, you know, because yeah. cause like, cause now it's like, oh, I'm so dumb. Like, I, I know how to draw this neck muscle better. You know, like, I can't believe I didn't do that. It's just the education, you know. Keep drawing, you'll figure shit out. And, uh... Donald, everybody gets their five bucks. Including Donald with their little rat gimmick. But whenever he goes to pull that, that fiver out of his pocket, outsmarted himself because it was the same pocket he put the rat in and the rat chewed it up. You see it all. You see the little mouse sticking his head out of the pocket. You see the, the, the tatters. Uh, and he sells it with the with the verbiage also. And then rats, the yeah, double entendre kind of thing. Just the, the, the snappy flow. You know, that's that's part of the good duck artist is, is the... Is, the, the dialogue for sure. Even how animated he is as he's like slinking away, throwing his hat on the ground. Like there's so much movement there's, that comes through there. And just no confusion mm -mm. whatsoever. He throws down that loot, uh, throw, throw, throws on that hat and somebody just mistakes him for a popper. <laughs> Gives him another idea. And Uncle Scrooge, the, the subplot for him is that his money bin is just packed as tight <laughs> as it possibly could be. Look at that curved uh, vault door. <laughs> And Uncle Scrooge goes out for a walk and sees what Donald is doing and realizes, I should be panhandling out here. I'm leaving money on the street. <laughs> Kicks Donald out, throws his top out on the ground. And uh, quick cut back to Shacktown. Speaking of the glint in their eyes, 
they're really looking forward to this. And by the way, the dentistry of the poor people of uh, Duckburg, man, uh, no, nobody can afford braces <laughs> out there, man. Yeah, that's Fun, a, that's funny a detail for like 1952. Is that Carl Bark's shorthand for you know? It's it's a stereotyping is a part of of cartoon art, and you know this is how he decides like okay yeah like poor people are gonna have some like goofball teeth. Runs into Gladstone Gander, the uh, the lucky the lucky cousin duck, and thinks he can help me find money. So now they're off looking for wallets in the snow or whatever they can come across. Weird uh, moment of like one of these dudes are looking at them out the windows. Somebody chucks out a hot dime that burns through his hat. I, I don't. It's this was weird to me. Like I don't know what to make of some of that. Yeah, I feel like that's a joke that somebody got in 1945. Right. You know, like. Maybe, maybe maybe people were mean that way and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It seems it seemed odd. Um, yeah, but I assume it's something timely like that. But sure enough, that that dime turns out to be lucky and reveals a uh, a wallet full of money. What a good character this Gladstone Gander. And 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 this I'm pretty sure it's a Coral Burke's invention. Uh, I think when he got gets his hands on on the ducks, there's just Daisy. So everything else, uh, Uncle Scrooge, Gladstone Gander, Gyro Gearloose. The Beagle Boys, that's all Carl Barks, man. And that's why people confuse DuckTales with Carl Barks. That's why That's why Don Rosa's at the conventions with big fucking <laughs> passive-aggressive signs telling you that, he, that his comics ain't DuckTales. <laughs> because Carl Barks set the template, man. And, and what a cool character. Just like, because you know these people in real life. I know these guys that, like, are fucking boobs. But nothing bad. It, it, seemingly, so much Mr. Magoo shit happens where like they walk over open manholes in life and still are fine they don't slip on the banana pill proverbially you know yes. what i mean but like you just know that if you were in that exact situation you would have fell through that sewer you would have slipped on that banana pill this is an archetype for a per i, I know 10 of these people and and ultimately the evolution is long shot <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know senti a big coral barks fan <laughs> All right. So continuing forward, gives Uncle Scrooge that lucky dime that had fallen out. And uh, they're excited, man. They, they, they've done what they set out to do, right? They're going to save Halloween for uh, Shacktown. Uncle Scrooge, meanwhile, didn't do as well panhandling as he had hoped. But he did make that dime that he's got to add to his money vault. And the only way to do it is through the skylight because that vault is so packed tight. <laughs> Can't open the door. Jeff Darrow introduced me to the idea of the poison gift, man. That uh, somebody could hook you up with something, and maybe it's a tad burdensome. He throws that one dime onto the uh, the, the 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 money bin, his coffers, and when he looks in, it's a chasm. There's nothing. Yeah, his ultimate nightmare. <laughs> and there it is, man. Like the money bin, like it completely imploded. The texture here pure black hole era charles burns where it's got the most beautiful brush feathering but also white ink you know white media being uh feathered in there with a beautiful brush as well to give you just that glint of you know the the other terrain that might be popping up there it feels it feels all right you know it's not that cheesy shit where there's like a little skull in here you know it's literally <laughs> yeah, a where's pipe, the fish skeleton yeah pipe work and right. plumbing and stuff it, it all it all it makes so it makes sense 
Yeah, bottomless hole. Worst case scenario for your bank vault. What a way to to sell it too, because in all the comics that we've been looking at, man, they've they've abided by that that eight panel grid continuously. This is the one page that ain't a splash, where you know you get you get three panels of real estate for one image to sell you on the catastrophe that just just happened there. Absolutely. And I note like uh, Uncle Scrooge's eyes, right? That 40 yard stare that they've, yeah. they've now added by just adding like an iris around those black dots. Very effective. Very. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Throwing a fit. I saw a little kid do this in the airport. I believe uh, it. And it was very fun. I watched the whole thing unfold where like he laid down flat on the ground to do this yeah. demonstration. And his vegan parents probably <laughs> were just like, please. What it was it was very similar to Uncle Uncle Scrooge here, but brings in in guys to like try to figure out what can we do. Brings in the engineers like, and they're hey, it's it's bottomless, man. And if you make any kind of ruckus, like below this cavern is just quicksand. Yeah, look at how cool that machine is, man. It all kind of like feels right in a way. <laughs> Giant ear to listen to. Uh, we're gonna drop something down there and see if it hits. Here's the thing, though, man. They're just saying like, okay, it's down there, real deep. So we're not even at the worst yet because, you know, Uncle Shrug is just like, well, you know, let's try to get in there, you know, to the side or something. And then they're like, ah, oh, but wait, there's more. By the way, aspirin juice is what he's drinking there on his... <laughs> I don't think you could get away with that in, the, in a kid's comic today. <laughs> yes, turn the page and it is worse than we thought because right below that cavern is a thin, a thin layer that separates it from... Uh, bottomless quicksand it's it's one of those great writing things that that they try to instill in you like in a, an academic level where it's like you keep upping the stakes you keep upping the stakes as much as possible um i don't know about you man but like when as they were unfolding that tapestry of of the uh of the the bottomless pit i was getting nervous and expecting them to draw like rice paddy hat people you know like <laughs> on the other side like you know it's going through the earth or something <laughs> i was getting nervous about that imagery yeah yeah well maybe a slightly better uh it's a big history with uh the little Disney better characters. taste here yeah. yes yeah absolutely and uncle scrooge back in that temper tantrum position so what can be done you know uncle scrooge has now moved into donald duck house and is eating oatmeal as fast as he can get it served is that his uh, third dish of oatmeal <laughs> he can't see through the tears absolutely gonna eat donald and company out of uh house and home with that with that appetite and uh the kids reveal there's a cave that they discovered as junior woodchucks let's go find that cave and that's at the, and it just that's this is the stuff where where you imagine that maybe he didn't have that exactly figured out up to this point because he just it's constant revelations like right. that's that's one of the hallmarks of of the Carl Burks stuff like when you read like Wimbledon Green or the comics that are inspired by uh, Carl Burks like that's what people are trying to tap into is just that whimsy. I often hear like some of the first stuff I read about Carl Barks, it's adventure comics. Yeah. You know, like these are adventures and that's what that is. You know, they remind me of even like an Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark serial adventures where yeah. it's like the, the stories that we've looked at recently of Carl Barks is these scenes are like that where like it's almost you get a complete beginning, middle, end of a scene and it's it 
runs right through it onto the next one, but there's always something happening. Check this out. This is super cool. Foreground character drawn, separated by the background characters who are in silhouette. Mm -hmm. In here, foreground characters in silhouette, separating from uh, the characters who are in the background who are uh, observing the scene. Yeah, that's that's a really great one, especially the way it's laid out here as spreads. Really awesome. Um, I like how he's breaking up this panel border shape where it's like they're above ground and it's almost an arrow pointing to the to once they enter and now they're below ground. Like a Kirby cutaway. Very cool. And they find a tiny little entrance, a little hole, a badger hole that leads to where the money's at. And what are we gonna do? We're gonna hook up a train that's gonna go in there and haul money out. The 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 toy train is is the MacGuffin, man. It's the Chekhov's toy train. It was mentioned on page two, so like let's get some payoff earlier because also when it was mentioned by Donald Duck to Uncle Scrooge, yeah, we need $50, man. $25 for turkeys. And it, it, it caused him tr trouble to, to even spit out the words because he knew that he was going to get dissed by Uncle Scrooge. 25 bucks for a toy train to which Uncle Scrooge is like, what, a useless toy train? You're going to use my money for a useless object that serves no value in the universe? Well, Uncle Coral Bark's going to find a, a a use for a toy train. Yeah, and don't think the smart aleck kids don't remember that and throw it back in his face. <laughs> <laughs> so sure enough, you know, he says, uh, everlasting gratitude. And Donald says, how about a cash reward? Yeah. So he says, whatever comes out first, that's, uh, that's what they can have. And uh, a bundle of $1,000 bills come out, a hundred of them. That's a pretty good haul for a reward. <laughs> Uncle Scrooge faints. <laughs> not, not his best idea, <laughs> that reward. But needless to say, Shacktown gets uh, maybe the best Christmas ever. Yes. With that kind of uh, money under there and dozens of toy trains. And the rich ladies in the town could feel like they did so, some uh, good stuff for, for the poppers of, of their town. And uh, Uncle Scrooge is going to be in here for a while because uh, that train doesn't haul too much. And we saw how big <laughs> that money bin was. So that's what he's working on. Yes, so, and that ends the story. And then when you go to the very next story, Uncle Scrooge has a new money bin. So it's like almost a continuing piece. Yeah, and much more in the iconic tradition of what I think of as Uncle Scrooge's money bin. Absolutely. So, yeah, great. Once again, great cartoonist, great story. And some of the extra material in the back are notes on each story that appears in here, as well as these covers. And also notes a little bit about Carl Barks and kind of his biography, which is very colorful for anybody unfamiliar. Doesn't start doing comics until he's in his 30s, so has a very full life before he gets to that point. But also, where did each of these stories appear? So, in this case, that Christmas for Shacktown, 1952. It's a little bit later than yesterday's Christmas story, but as you say, Ed, there may be uh, Christmas stories... I don't know, several more of these Christmas stories may be out there. How about Christmas 2023, man? A Christmas uh, on Bear Mountain, I think, is... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got it over there in the on the uh, bookshelf. Sounds good to me. And uh, one last shot here. This is the cover for the uh, original printing, the first appearance of A Christmas from Shacktown, for Shacktown. Beautiful. And look at the animation, dude. Get those wheels off the, off the ground. Right. That train is that moving. Motion. <laughs>
So cool. Absolutely. Good to go, Jimmy? I am. All right, K-Fabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. And Merry Christmas. Jimmy, tell the people what's out there, man. Well, Ed, as you mentioned in our last video, this is kind of our bibliography. That's it. Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Live, I will point out, is back in print now wherever you buy books. I'm very happy to have it back. was out of print for almost a year. So pick that one up, add it to your shelf if you don't have it. The Plain Janes, a bunch of high school artists. Um... Hulk Grand Design, Octobriana, there's a lot of stuff here. And join me on my Patreon at patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see a lot more of my process, uh, see how I make the comics I make, and download a bunch of my out-of-print zines and mini-comics. That's it, man. Hip Hop Family Tree is the perennial bestseller, man. Nine, ten printings of uh, the first couple volumes of that. X-Men Grand Design. I have Red Room out in stores right now. It's my new effort, man. Red Room, uh, the Anti-Social Network, Red Room Trigger Warnings. Two trade paperbacks that contain four self-contained stories in each volume, and that's what I'm working on uh, for the first uh, six months or so of uh, 2023, you know, the, the next round of Red Room Comics. Got the Patreon, all that stuff where you could read these comics before they hit paper. Hit up my link tree in the description below where you could get to all of that material. Jimmy, what else do we have out there, man? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, coffee mugs, hats, everything you can imagine at our spread shop. That link is also below this video. Another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Given those marching orders, Jimmy, will be on our way. Read more comics.